I realized that now I have time, but I don't have money. And if I take the career path, I will have money, but I won't have time. And I decided I think it's easier to deal with the money issue than with the time issue. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. And today Joe's interviewing Esther Jacobs. Esther was introduced to us by Jan Tuton from show number 124. They call her the no excuses lady because she gets things done, whatever the circumstances. Uncertainty has become her comfort zone. She's raised 16 million euros for charities, got knighted by the Dutch Queen, participated in the European Survivor TV show, gave more than a thousand keynotes and two TEDx speeches, written 26 books and has travelled to over 100 countries. Yet she got fired from her home country for not staying enough nights in her own house and now officially does not exist. Esther's secrets? Focus only on the things you can influence. Work with what you have. Find and seize opportunities like an entrepreneur. Take control to make things happen in your business and your life today. No excuses. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Esther Jacobs, who's a speaker, author and digital nomad and is known as the No Excuses Lady. So I'm looking forward to finding out more about that today. So welcome, Esther. Thanks for joining me. Hi, nice to be here. It's great, isn't it? We had a bit of a, a, a digital nomad issue last week. No, two weeks ago, didn't we, with uh, with uh, internet connections. So it made me feel better after my weeks in the caravan where things were going a bit pear-shaped. You were in a French castle, if I remember rightly. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Uh, internet is always a challenge, but especially if you're in uh, in France, in uh, the ruins of a castle that they turned into an Airbnb, and the connection there was horrible. And now I'm in <laughs> Amsterdam, and it should be better. So Lovely. let's Lovely. So a true digital nomad, apart from there was less of the digital going on in the France bit. <laughs> yes, when you leave out the digital, it suddenly becomes very uh, nomadic. Yes, yeah. So tell us more about who you are and what you do and also where you usually do it or, or where you have done it from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm originally from the Netherlands and the Netherlands is still my basis. I mean, it's a it's a great airport to, to have stopovers and I have friends and clients and followers here. But I've always had a big interest in, in traveling. I've been to over 100 countries. Um, and I've never been employed in the traditional sense. I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've always had the freedom to work when and where and with whom I wanted to. So uh, I'm mainly a public speaker. I've given over a thousand keynotes all over the world and two TEDx talks. 
and I'm also an author because storytelling you can do on stage or you can do it in a book or on social media. Uh, so I'm an author and co-author of 26 books. And one of the things I do is I help people to write their book in a week. Um, there are so many stories out there that, that are worth to be shared and people get stuck when they start writing their book the traditional way and then they have to go back and rewrite and then some stories never get told. And I advise them to start at the end, to start with the back cover of the book because that's your marketing material, it's your structure and it helps you to create an outline and then write your book without getting stuck. So that's one of the things I do. I also organize some other retreats and um, basically I'm, um, yeah, I'm just using my own life and my own experiences to uh, inspire and motivate others to, to chase their dreams. Lovely. And so where do you usually work now or is there not a usual? <laughs> there, is, there is not a usual. Um, it used to be the Netherlands. Um, I had a, a house in the Netherlands and um, um, I did most of my projects from there, but I was only there a few months a year. And I actually got fired from the Netherlands by the government saying that if you don't sleep in a place for four months a year, you're not allowed to register there even when it's your own house and when you pay taxes and you don't do anything wrong. And um, it was so weird. Even the, the ministers had uh, three weeks of meetings on my case a few years ago, and they yeah. concluded that this law is not meant for people like me, but technically the city applied it correctly. So there was nothing they could do. I got deregistered from my own house. So I lost my voting rights, my pension, my passport, my company got deregistered. Um, I lost my health insurance, my right to social security. And because my company got deregistered from the Chamber of Commerce, I also lost my bank account and my phone plan was not renewed. So wow. it was quite hectic. And um, weird enough, there was only one organization that kept maintaining Miss Jacobs, you are and will always be a cherished citizen of the Netherlands. And that was, of course, the tax service. Uh, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. ridiculous. I had to pay taxes, but I had no more rights. So I paid social security premiums, but I had no right to social security or a pension. And it took me another three years to finally reach an agreement with them that they also came to the conclusion that I don't live in the Netherlands and I don't live anywhere else. So ever since, for the past um, six years, I officially don't exist. I'm not registered anywhere. I don't pay taxes. I have no rights. If I die somewhere in the world, nobody has any idea where to repa repatriate me. So um, it has some challenges, but it also has a lot of freedom. And I don't have to do any admin. I don't have to keep any lists of, of hours or kilometers or receipts or whatever. So I feel very free. But every now and then I, you know, whenever I have an interaction with the system, uh, I still get um, a lot of, uh, um, yeah, problems with the bureaucracy. Uh, to yeah. renew my passport, I have to go to a special window in The Hague for homeless people. Uh, when I lost my driver's license, there was no way I could get a new driver's license, not even if I took the test again or uh, registered myself again for a few weeks because everybody requires proof that you're in the country for 180 yeah. days a year. And I travel so much. I'm, I'm in the Netherlands like three months a year and then there's no other place where I spend three months a year. So 
you tell me, where do I live? Where do I pay taxes? Who am I? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that's just such an amazing story. And, and it makes, I was going to say complete sense that I don't mean that in terms of, um, it doesn't seem sensible <laughs> as far mm -hmm. as the way everyone's treated you, but it, you know, you can see why you've ended up with them saying what they've said. Cause as you, I think you said at the beginning, you know, that it sort of ticked all the boxes to say that uh, that's how it should be. But, but also I think it's an example of how times change and yes, of course yes. circumstances change, but our systems, be it yep. government, banking, registration, whatever, they they are so slow and they're based on the old idea that everybody lives in one place, which used yeah, to be exactly. the And if you yeah. didn't live in one place, you moved to another country, then you lived there. And mm -hmm. nowadays with, with cheap tickets and uh, good Wi-Fi all over the world, there is no need to stay in one place. So there's many more people like me, location independent entrepreneurs or digital nomads, who feel free to move around the world and work from anywhere and don't have obligations, don't have fixed expenses, uh, which yeah. has a lot of advantages, but also disadvantages when you have to yeah. interact with the system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sonny, when you first started to talk, one of the questions I thought I would ask is, is how you ended up doing what you do because a lot of people move into this sort of thing, but it sounds like you've been you, if you like, all along. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I sort of, it's it's almost, I mean, I will ask you why you do what you do, but it's almost not a question on the basis that you've just shown that security clearly isn't one of your drivers because <laughs> you sound really calm. I mean, I'm sure it was really difficult as you went through it and everything else, but I bet you were probably more frustrated with it than you were um, cast adrift from it sort of thing from what you're saying. Would that be fair? Yeah, true. I was very frustrated. And at first I tried to get back in the system, just like anybody else. I was in my comfort zone and I wanted it to go back to the way it was. Yeah. So I struggled and I was frustrated and I fought to go back to how it was. And at some point I realized I'm the no excuses lady, right? I get, I'm on stage. I tell people to turn situations around, to turn challenges into opportunities. But then I got back home and I was frustrated trying to get back into the system. Yeah. And at one point I realized, oh, I have to apply it to my own life because it's always <laughs> difficult, of course, to apply things to your own life. Yes. And that's how I turn things around and I turn it into an opportunity. And now I help other people to... Uh, sort things out with the system to have more freedom in their life to become location independent entrepreneurs and so I've turned it into an asset but mm. your other question how it all started is also valid because many of the people listening are probably in a, a regular job whatever regular is but they're employed and they have monthly um, income and they have monthly expenses and the idea of quitting and uh, still having those expenses and not having that income is very, very frightening. Frightening, yeah. And I understand the way I started is very different. After my studies, I didn't get a regular job, but I started doing little projects like market researches and, you know, entrepreneuring. So I wasn't used to a salary and a mortgage and a car and, you know, a phone plan that your company provides. And for me, every $100 that I made was $100. And if I made $300, I thought, hey, I can travel in South America for a month. So, of course, the numbers grew, um, the money that I made and the expenses that I had. But basically, I started with um, a student mentality. You have yeah. nothing, 
and anything you earn uh, you can use or spend and if you start with the idea of you know you need so much money to um, you know to, to get through life then there's a big pressure on your shoulders to make that much money as an entrepreneur when you start your own company so uh, I would advise people who are still on a regular job but who want to be an entrepreneur to start a side business and once you get confidence that you can make money with your side business you can start working maybe one day less or two days less and then when you make the transfer it's not so frightening yes yeah yeah very good point so I, I want to ask you again why you do what you do, but let's just um, unpick a bit more of, of that. So you, you've already said you you help people in the situation that you were in, and you can we can see where that that's that's come from. You you are a speaker, you are an author, and you help people to to write books. How did those things come into what you do? Given you started with, as you say, let's earn a bit of money and go travelling. <laughs> right. It's actually, it has a, a deeper a layer to it. Um, when I was about 16, I had a neighbor, a lady who was uh, psychic, and she told me that uh, the world was going to end. You know, there was going to be some disaster, and she didn't know when or where or how, but at some point, the world as we knew it was going to end. So she said, don't make long-term plans. Just enjoy what you can do right now. And that's why I chose not to you know, go in a regular career path, which is 10 or 20 years or to make any long term plans. And I've actually always had this. Well, I don't know if you call it short term view, but uh, not so strategic. I just take whatever comes on my path and I turn it into something. So um, everything I've done is uh, relatively short term and not strategic. And anything that happens to me at first, I resist it. You know, uh, I've had been in a relationship with um, with a playboy for seven years, uh, the, the biggest player of a Caribbean island. Uh, when this thing happened that I got fired from the Netherlands, I resisted it at first. Uh, I collected 16 million euros for charities when the euro was introduced. Um, but when that happened, at first, I just wanted to make money. And then I found out that everybody wants to make money. So I turned it around and I said, nobody's going to make any money. And all the money we raise is going to go towards charities. So anything that happens to me, I turn into uh, a story and I share it on stage. And then people ask, why don't you write a book about it? So I did. And then other people ask me, how do I write my book? So I help them to do that. Or I help them to become speakers. Now I help them to, to have a more free life. So basically anything that happens to me, the, the, the things I learn, I would like to share. So I don't have a strategy, I don't have a bigger plan, I just go through life, turn things that happen, try to turn things that happen into something productive or positive and yeah. share that philosophy, the, the no excuses philosophy with as many people as I can. And maybe yeah. I should have a long-term strategy or maybe I should have like a, a deeper motivation, but this is just the way it is and it works fine for me and the people around me. So <laughs> I don't really think about it that much. I, lo I love how that's come about because a lot of people are 
going the other way, you know, starting the other way. They start with, you know, our life is about, you know, I don't know, grow up, get married, have children, have a corporate job, get promoted. And then by the time they're, you know, my sort of age in their 50s, 40s and 50s, they're, they're starting to think, oh, is that it? You know, oh, did, should I really have done it like that? Or, you know, let's be a bit more open and let's start to think about a different way of being. And then, you know, it's not too late because, you know, it's perfectly possible to do all those things as well. But it it's almost like a kickback against the structure that they sort of went along with because we weren't told you could do anything different whereas almost you 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 know you were given that information and took it and did something different straight away it, really interesting true, true. and it, it wasn't always easy because i had no role model i had no beaten path to follow and i've mm -hmm. done lots of stupid things and uh but i've i've gotten to know myself really well and i think that's my main asset and my I don't have a you know a big title or um, uh, money in the bank or a position in a big company but I have my freedom and I know myself and I think those two things are a great combination to 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 have confidence that I can survive and thrive in any circumstance whatever happens in the world whatever happens to me and I think a lot of people feel insecure when you take away their position or their possessions and they're just left with themselves and that's what often happens in a midlife crisis they have everything that they thought they wanted or needed and they still don't feel happy and then they start to question themselves and the system and uh, um, one thing i remember when i finished my studies and i had the choice to you know to become a junior product manager somewhere like all my peers or to to travel and do market research and become an entrepreneur I realized that now I have time, but I don't have money. And if I take the career path, I will have money, but I won't have time. And I decided I think it's easier to deal with the money issue than with the time issue. So I go for the time that I have now and I'll deal with the money. I'll find a way to deal with it. But if you go for the money and then you have to find the time somewhere, that proves to be really difficult. And I'm very glad I made that choice, um, which is already um, almost 30 years ago, uh, because it's, yeah, it's given me exactly what you said, a lot of experiences. And every day I have a choice. If I don't like something, uh, I can change it. I'm responsible for my happiness. I'm also responsible if I don't like something. There's nobody to blame. I can't be the victim. I can't point at the government or a boss or a partner or whatever. So, I feel and I am responsible and in control of my own life. And I think that's my my biggest driver. Mm -hmm. You were so ahead of your time to, to work out the time and money thing all that time ago. <laughs> so, so what about the, the moniker, the no excuses lady? Where did that come from? I think it started, um, actually a lot of things started with the first big project I did. Um, like I said, uh, I, I collected 16 million euro for charity when the euro was introduced. So in 2002, every country in Europe or a lot of countries in Europe uh, transitioned to the euro and all the old currencies lost their value. So you could only use your German marks if you went to the German central bank to exchange them for euros. Yeah. And of course, people in the Netherlands, we, we travel a lot and we have these uh, jars with coins that we don't use and we don't go to a central bank to exchange like one or two dollars. So I decided if I collect all this leftover money for charity, people donate something that has no value to them, but I can turn all those coins into euros for charity. And I knew nothing about charity, about marketing, about 
money, uh, about the, the whole Euro thing, about big projects. Basically, I was very naive and young, but I had this motivation to do it. And um, it took me a long time. Nobody knew me. I didn't know anybody. There was no internet yet. Uh, so uh, I, don't, I don't, it was so difficult. I don't even remember how I did it, but I just persevered. And that's why they started calling me the no excuses lady. Whoever yeah. had an excuse, you know, it's not the right timing. Uh, we've already tried it. It doesn't work. Uh, you have no budget. You have no experience. You have no network. I proved them all wrong. And um, it was a lot of hard work, but I used the experience, um, for example, my, my presentations. So first I, I talked about the project, Coins for Care, but after a while I upgraded the same story to how to reach big results with limited resources. And then I had access to a lot of companies who were in a crisis and who organized conferences were looking for a speaker. So that's actually how I became a, a paid public speaker and how my first books uh, were published based on this project that I didn't make any money on. I didn't get paid. It, it, I think it took me 10 years of my life. It, the work was so hard and uh, it was very frustrating at times, but I did succeed in collecting this much money. And um, I've, I've established myself as, uh, yeah, as the no excuses lady. Like I look innocent and, uh, and young and naive, but I do get things done. And that has really helped me to, uh, uh, yeah, in all the other things that I do. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, especially with your self-awareness, to hear the comment, I don't really know how I did it because it was really hard. Um, I, I, when I first started my own business, I had um, – local magazines and I remember at one stage I had eight magazines and I often say I don't know how I went to print with eight magazines you know I just can't even remember it's what it was really like complicated. It's funny, it? yeah especially with, without all the tools that we have nowadays you yes. know the, yeah, the, the exactly. internet but you did it somehow yeah yeah well my first magazine I was supposed to design it in Microsoft Publisher, because that's the instructions I'd been given by this company that I'd bought these instructions from. And my printer said, oh, no, no, it'd be better if you could use Quark. Here's a copy. Um, and I took it to France with no internet for a week and designed a 24-page mag magazine. Um, and and, and I, again, now look at that and think, oh, trying to work out technology when you don't have the instructions, you haven't got Google to ask. <laughs> it's virtually impossible. How did I do it? And somehow we did it. Yeah, somehow exactly. And then we blocked it out because it was obviously too traumatic. <laughs> oh, how funny. Yeah, I wrote a book about it, so I would actually have to read my own book again to, to go through all those ups and downs again. But whenever I start reading, actually, I translated the book. I had it translated into English a few years ago. And uh -huh. then when I read the, the English translation to see if it was my own voice, I actually I had to stop reading because I started crying like crazy. It was like somebody... Else was telling me this story because it yeah. was in a different language, and suddenly it hit me all the disappointment, all the frustration. I was so naive in the charity world, of course, is about a lot of money, and they were trying to get rid of me because I was doing everything faster and cheaper and differently, and they were afraid that they were going to be exposed, which they were. Yeah. And I was just crying and crying to finally feel. Uh, again, you know, what happened and finally realize what happened because, of course, now I'm a lot older and I can, you know, see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, so it's it's very interesting to to look at what you've done and to look at it later and see yes. if the person 
it has changed. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned books again, and at the beginning you talked about you help people to write books really quickly, um, which just sounds, I think, to most people, madness. So if you do it, you better do it right. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit more about that, though. You know, the, the whole concept of, you know, what sort of are they, you know, are these very sort of story focused books? Are they very factual focus I mean is there a style to to them because they're done in a certain way yeah mostly they're they're non-fiction books so either business books or uh, biographies or autobiographies so not the the fiction books because mm-hmm. I think they require more time and a certain skill you know to to draft the characters and yeah. make a story outline and of course the back cover of a fiction book uh, doesn't give you like the results of the book, uh, but it's more um, triggering people to read it. A non-fiction yeah. book, however, a business book, a management book, uh, personal development. Um, what you do in a bookstore or online when you want to buy a book, you look at the cover and you look at the back cover, the blurb, and then you decide yeah. if you want to buy it. So that blurb, that back cover, better be really good. Explain yeah. the problem this book is going to solve uh, the results the reader will get from reading the book the tone of voice um, something about the author why the author you know why you can relate to the author and why the author has a special perspective on this and um, actually if you write this back cover first you can approach a publisher or you can start pre-selling your book even though you haven't written it yet you can you know announce it and, um, and make it available to people and the back cover gives you the structure for your book. If you say in seven steps, I will teach you this, or with 25 examples or tips, then you know the structure of your book should be the seven steps or the 25 tips. Yep. And when you have the structure, you can start putting bullet points in this document saying, oh, in this chapter, I want to mention this example, I want to include this photo, I want to share this story. And just those bullet points you distribute throughout the book. Um, and when you're done, you can see if each chapter has what it needs, if one is more, much bigger than the other, if information is in the right place. And when you feel this is complete, then you can start writing. And you don't have to start writing on page one, but you go with your energy. Maybe chapter eight has an example that you really feel passionate about, and you just write that example. Then you take a bullet point from chapter three, and turn it into a paragraph. So you can write even in 15 minutes when you're waiting for the bus or uh, while you're preparing food, you can write in little uh, sprints instead of sitting down a whole day, blocking a whole day to write what people try to do and it, it hardly ever works. Mm-hmm. Plus you follow your energy instead of you know having to start on page one and then having to go back and forth and restructuring. So this method works for 99% of the people I've already helped 400 entrepreneurs to write and publish their book. And for many of them, it establishes them as an expert, as a coach, as a speaker, as a a consultant. Uh, Some use it as a free giveaway to share an important message they have. Uh, Some feel they have a gift, they have something special, They, they, they were very sick and they found a way to get better or they had a life experience they want to share with others. 
um, and they distribute their books for free, their ebooks, to reach a bigger audience and to share their important message or gift with others. Mm -hmm. um, so there's many reasons to write a book, but the feeling of holding your own book in your hands is indescribable, really. Mm -hmm. And it's really possible. It, I've helped mothers, managers, uh, ministers, you know, there's so many stories out there. And, and you can think, oh, there's already a book about my topic, but that's not the case. Your story is unique, the way you share it, your personality. And there's always people who connect with your story specifically. So I would like to invite anybody who's listening to think, what is my story and, you know, in what way can I share it? Maybe you can record video, maybe you can record audio, maybe you can write blogs or poems or write a book. But um, your story has something that can be an eye opener to somebody else. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Lovely. Thank you. So uh, you talked about going where your energy is and it's something that uh, I work with a, a national movement around employee engagement and we always say because it's a lot of volunteers that we've got to do the stuff where the energy is so very similar sort of thing and I think that's how I manage my time I'm guessing similar with you how, how do you get stuff done and know what you're doing on you know a daily weekly monthly basis yeah it's a good question I'm really into energy management I've always been interested in energy management also for events where I speak when you look at the program for a conference you can already tell at what point everybody will be tired or bored <laughs> or you know and, and with a little change from from listening to to participating you can already solve that or uh, to have people walk from one space to the next uh, to to digest what they've just heard but I'm always surprised how few people are aware of their own energy management or within their organization or within an event that they're organizing. And uh, I've always noticed that at some points in the day, in the week, in the month, in the year, you have more energy than at other points or different energy. There's even people who are saying that the different seasons uh, are suitable for different types of work like uh, I don't remember exactly but the winter is for um, cocooning digesting uh, then the spring is for planting seeds and the summer is for executing things and then autumn is for harvesting and that's also for for ideas and and for business um, and some people are morning people some people are evening people and the whole idea that you have to be in an office or behind your computer from nine to five, whoever came up with that? Because <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work for most people. You, you could be sitting behind your computer and not be productive at all, but spend hours behind your computer. Or you could be walking your dog and suddenly having this wonderful idea and you sit down and write it in five minutes and you have like a real added value or a real um, uh, efficiency. Mm. So. It's very interesting to observe observe yourself and others. And um, I'm struggling uh, with energy management. I've always been, and I probably always will be. Um, I had a car accident uh, six years ago in the Caribbean. Uh, I had a whiplash, so my brain doesn't work the same way anymore as it used to before. Before I could force myself to continue, like what I did with the charity project, I got up at five in the morning, worked until 12 in the evening for three years. Uh, and whenever I thought I couldn't do anymore, I would still continue. Of yeah. course, it's not good for your body, but you have this turbo button that you can press and you know, you always find this extra energy. 
And after the accident, my turbo button didn't work anymore. Even as I got better, the turbo button doesn't work anymore. And then you, you know, you, you try to drink coffee, you try to eat sugar, uh, try all kinds of things to get that energy back. But I realized that, in fact, the accident was a, a very good thing happening in my life because I'm now I'm forced to make choices. I can't do everything and I have to choose what is important and when I will do it. If I have two hours a day that my mind feels clear, if I use those two hours to go on Facebook or to um, book plane tickets, those two hours are gone. So in fact, I should use those two hours to be creative, to be productive. And then when I don't feel very clear, I can always book a plane ticket or go on social media or whatever. Yeah. So it forces me to be aware and to make choices. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. But it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm so Oh, that's a local train. <laughs> If you can hear that, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a little train from a cartoon. It's at the bottom of our hill. I normally shut the window, and I forgot. And I was thinking, oh, I probably should have shut the window, and then the train came. But it's nice, a nice English sound. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the the whole energy piece, obviously awful that you've had to work it out because something happened that put you into that position um but but so vital that we all understand that so you know a great um example to share as well because as you say we've got all these structures that people have, have sort of designed you know other people have designed whoever they are that say this is how you must work and as you've said you know it's just it doesn't work for most of us in the same way and it's really about knowing ourselves and and working out what what works best and I, I guess the advantage of for those of us who work for ourselves and work from home or wherever uh you know we can really do that I think it's you know in corporate it's so much harder because people don't have the opportunity and, and people don't get it do they no it's true and um I've learned to question everything so as a consultant I would be very annoying people would think I was very annoying because I I enter a company and um, I start asking questions and, and the answers are, well, we've always done it like this and it's just the way it is, or we've already tried that, it didn't work. But yeah. as an outsider, you look at things differently and you're allowed to ask those questions and those questions can generate interesting insights. Yes. So people go to their office from nine to five or from eight to seven or whatever the time is and we think it's normal, but most people go to their office actually to answer emails, which you could do from home or which you could do from a co-working space or which you could do from a hammock on a beach in Thailand if you wanted to. <laughs> so you should go to an office to collaborate, you know, to actually meet your colleagues or your clients and to work with them. Uh, but you could also do that through a video call, for example. So um, this also uh, relates to how you uh, use your energy during the day because you have different activities you have creative um uh, time you, you need to write create a plan create something you have responsive react to emails uh, you have to do calls you have to uh, work together with other people and if you know which time of the day is most suitable for which activity then you can uh, make a plan for your day that's different from doing it by task or by client. Like 
today I'm working on this project or today I'm only doing calls or today I'm brainstorming with my team or I only work with others in the afternoon because in the morning I use my creative energy to get things done. Mm. And it's different for everybody and there's very different ways of looking at it, but I would like to invite everybody to, to, to have a look at it, to take notes. When do you feel you get energy from some activities? And when do you feel it drains you? When do you feel you get stuck? When do you, when are you productive? When do you feel happy? When do you feel in flow? And it can be the location you are. It can be the time of day. It can be the activity. It can be the people you're working with. Uh, there's so many factors. And the only one who can decide what works for you is you. Not your boss, not the government, not some productivity program or book. Uh, it's you. Uh, so become aware, take notes. And if it feels good, do more of it. <laughs> if it doesn't feel good, find an alternative. That's how I learn. And that's how children learn. Trial and error. Yes, absolutely. And I'm writing, writing a book about this now. Light your fire without the, the burnout. Uh, energy management for passionate people. Because I realize if you, if you have a boss who says you have to do something, you can be stressed and you can rebel against this boss. But if this boss is inside your own head and it's setting you deadlines and it's giving you motivation and it's pushing yourself, then it's very hard to resist or to rebel. And then you create stress inside yourself that you've created yourself. And um, I think it's possible to reach big, hairy goals uh, without creating distress, with having fun while doing it, learning while doing it having time for other things, um, but you need a sustainable way of managing your energy and not the turbo button I was talking about and living on reserve all the time. Yes, like, It's yeah. like driving your car with the fuel uh, light blinking all the time and then you stop just long enough to refuel it a little bit until the light uh, goes off, it stops blinking, mm -hmm. and then you're driving on reserve again instead of filling mm -hmm. the entire tank and then being okay for a while. So this is okay for, for, you know, in emergencies, for deadlines or project or time in your life where it's necessary. But if you live your whole life like this, something is going to happen. Something is going to snap. Yes. So if you care about what you're doing, find a sustainable way of managing your energy. Find a balance between energy in and energy out, between working with your head and working with your body between being uh, focused and relaxing, being rational, being creative. All those things sound very logical, but I find in my own life that I was much too rational. I was always in my head, I was always working, and all these other things had too little space. And I think only a balanced life can, um, can be sustainable for a longer time. And then you can get the results you want and keep on delivering those results. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. So what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong and you have a terrible day? How do you deal with that? <laughs> with no yeah, excuses, but, presumably. <laughs> it's horrible. And the, the, what you would love to do is just stay in bed and pull the cover over your head and wait for it all to go away. And sometimes there's no other solution than to do that and to acknowledge, okay, this day doesn't feel good and just, you know, watch Netflix and, and make something nice to eat and to drink for yourself and then go to sleep early and hopefully the next day will be better. Um, what, what also helps is to get out into nature and to move your body. 
actually anything that gets stuck in your body will get a chance to you know to get out and to to be cleared uh, so you will have um, uh, different energy the next day or at the end of the day what I used to do uh, is when I didn't feel good I would do horrible tasks like admin or uh, cleaning or things that I didn't like anyway thinking I feel horrible anyway I'll just give myself something to do and then when I feel a little bit better at least I don't have the dishes in my kitchen or I have these piles of receipts that I need to put into Excel. That worked for a while but it's also constantly in the doing mode. Yeah. Even when I wasn't feeling good I was still in the doing mode. So nowadays I prefer to do what I just said to get out into nature, to allow the sentiment, to do something creative just to to change perspective and to change the energy completely and that will rebalance and then you know you'll feel better and get back to to do what you were doing so yeah. also it yeah. works different for uh for everybody but if you don't like the results that you're getting change what you're doing otherwise you keep getting the same results yeah um what about those days where you get to live more that's to do more of the things you want to do and less of the things you feel you should do or you have to do what does one of those days look like it's probably every day for you I, I would imagine <laughs> yeah, I have very little structure but uh, still some days are better than than other days and what I really like is days with surprises like when I have no plans I go out into the street I meet an interesting person or um, just a little present you know I, I walk in a street that I know very well and I find this little cafe that I've never noticed or I get an idea and I'm creative or I help somebody or what happens to me uh, every now and then is uh, either when I, whether I'm in the Netherlands or somewhere else in the world I'm having a coffee somewhere and then the waiter or somebody else comes up to me and says are you Esther are you that digital nomad because of your book, I'm here. I sold everything I have. I have only three boxes left, and now I'm a waiter here in Thailand. Or, and whenever that happens, it's it's really like an eye opener. People actually read my books, and they actually <laughs> take action. And it's a little gift from the universe. It makes me so happy. A conversation like that. It's really humbling. Yes, yeah, I bet that's amazing. So thank you, Esther. It's been so good to interview you. Really, really interesting. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact. Um, I think my website is the starting point to everything. I have a lot of blogs, free resources. I give away books every now and then. Um, you can read about my retreats, workshops, whatever. My website is estherjacobs.info. So it's not .com or .nl, estherjacobs.info. And on social media, I'm also very active. And you can find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook, um, and usually it's Esther Jacobs or Esther Jacobs NL for the Netherlands. Um, so it would be really nice if people would, would connect. Uh, you can ask questions. I'm always willing to help um, share examples, record videos to answer questions because I really would like everybody to find the freedom in their life, whether it's freedom to travel, freedom to chase your dreams, freedom to be more you. Um, I think there's no excuse. Everybody should live their, their dream life. And I'm very happy to help if I can. Brilliant. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Attention home-based coaches and consultants. 
Are you tired of feeling alone, isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business? Are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. Use your power to live more.